Everyone, when you're listening to this, it might be a little late for when the news was announced, but um, I want you to know that that's just because that's how it came up in the posting schedule, because I'm going to be cheersing to this every night and every day for the rest of my life, because he's dead, Rush Limbaugh's dead, dancing on his grave, dead, I'm going to drink a Miller High Life, the champagne of beers, I'm going to find his grave, and I'm going to fill the piss man's coffin with piss from Miller Highlight Champagne Bray. And then I'm going to do a jig because Rush Limbaugh's, he's dead. He is dead. Fucking dead. Very dead. Uh, You know, there's still some good news to look forward to. He's going to be buried somewhere. And sooner or later, that place is going to be unguarded. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Like, that's. that's... I hear a listener challenge. Like, you could do like a crazy (laughs) Andy Saturday. Who could be the first to desecrate? Do you dance on it? Do you piss on it? What do you do? Uh, so yeah, like yeah. Just, just put do it for the gram. Take yeah, a picture do it, of it. Do it for the gram. So we can call you a fucking hero because mm-hmm. he's he's dead. Okay. He's dead as hell. All right. Spencer, thoughts? He's dead, and typically I'm not for celebrating the death of another human, but Rush Limbaugh doesn't qualify as a human, so here we are. And we're there. We're there. We even have every the no, most normal man in the world is on our side. Uh, he sucked, and we're all better for him being in the ground. Huzzah! Glass sound. Tink. Hey, everybody. I'm Caleb. I'm Spencer. And this is the Mix Six, where we drink six beers, have six conversations, rate them on a five-point scale uh occasionally wish dead republicans a very good burn in hell and uh that's hopefully a a tradition i personally think we should keep going further into the future but uh that's just me i don't speak for the entire podcast um speaking of not speaking for the entire podcast uh this is a free episode and we like to put our best foot forward and that's why we have a bona fide Spencer Harris rating system. Um, so I'm, I'm going to kick it over to, to my partner. It's for, not for quite food month yet, so I'm not allowed to oh, express my best self. So I'm, I'm kind of edging at food month a little bit here. Oh. Okay. So my rating system for today. I set you up for that? Well, I'm just what like, I get? You, know, you know, I'm kind of like uh, right there, but not quite. And so <laughs> my rating system for today is tea flavors that I've recently tried. Tea flavors that I've re- been drinking a lot of tea lately. Been drinking oh a lot of tea. God, you're yeah. like if khaki was a person. Right. Wow. It's just amazing to me and, sometimes. Uh, Caleb, and, uh, as an honorary Australian, you should be more uh, approving of tea. Like this is so great. Tea. Yeah. He's great. Now, I used to drink tea as a supplement to coffee, so I didn't as well, didn't want as much coffee. I drink some green tea. Mm-hmm. I've really expanded now to just enjoying tea flavors. Mm-hmm. Tea's great. Tea's great. And and you know what? It's nice to have a hot bre- beverage. I don't like a cold tea. Love a hot tea, though. Love a hot tea. I like so, cold tea in the one, summer. Yeah, yeah I, I wish I could. I just don't. I don't think the flavors is good. So one, I always wondered why both of your webcams were you wrapped in shawls. Right, holding like tiny little cups against the cold of your yeah. village. Right. Uh, yeah, but now, now the imagery of my little babushka hosts makes right. makes so much more sense. Grandmas. Oh yes. 
tea in one hand, knitting in the other two. So <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, cool, yeah, Keep, keeping it keeping it tight. Um, uh, so teas I've tried recently. So a tea that I tried recently, and typically I'm for like more organic spiced flavors, but on accident. Uh, we ordered some tea called Throat Coat, which is like echinacea and some soothing lemony type things. Terrible. Terrible. It was awful. It was the worst thing I've ever had. Um, do not that's drink a tea. Something to invite on Mars Tube. Yeah. Uh, don't drink uh, a tea or maybe gross. anything called Throat Coat. Okay? Don't. <laughs> uh, two. Now we're into like more stock tea flavors. Lemon ginger. Uh, I don't like the combination of these things, folks. I do like lemon and I do like ginger, but these are not two things that should ride in the same car, I believe. And so it's just too much of everything, not an enjoyable flavor. You just lost but, the entire audience. Lemon ginger throat drops are what save lives during a convention. Maybe, but I don't want it as a hot tea. I don't want it as a hot tea. It's not been good. But it's the you know hot better tea. than it's what you need for the emergencies. Like, yeah, you know, the hot throat. tea is nice, though. And you know what it's better than? Throat coat. Um, well, so what is it, three. Spencer? That's not a high bar to clear. Like, well, well, then I feel safe. Probably <laughs> black licorice. Is, uh, I'm sure there's uh, a licorice. <laughs> yeah, would have yeah. been awful. Would have been awful. You would, awful. would, would rather have it. your throat coated than have black licorice. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I'd at least try it to see if it was worse than. Yeah. Um, move on. What's the yeah. next one? Three. Now we're into the the stock, like what you expect when you drink tea. While I don't really like lemon and ginger together, you know what I really like? Just a straight ginger tea. Man, a hot ginger tea really does the job. It's nice, aids in digestion, goes down smooth. And if you get the right kind, because I've had multiple kinds of ginger tea, uh, if you get the right kind, it's delicious. It's not too gingery. It's just the right amount of spice. So I'm really enjoying (laughs) ginger tea. I drink one after almost every meal now. It's been such a pleasure, <laughs> such a welcome addition to my life. And my 34-year-old uh, digestion system, it needs the help, honestly. So, oh, my God. So drink ginger tea, I guess is what I'm saying. Okay, four. Uh, now we're getting into the good stuff. Mm-hmm. We got some spice apple we stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, probably not. We got Here's some spice time apple. For bed. It's almost five. Tivana, and it's delicious. It's delicious. Uh, I love a spiced apple candle. And so this is a nice way of translating that into a warm little spiced apple treat that you can keep on your desk and sip it in. Tie one to our belt. It was the style at the time. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then five, and this one, this has almost become a dessert for me. I do this as an evening to reward myself for a nice day. Wild sweet orange. Mm, My goodness. What a gift to the to both tea and to us tea consumers. It is. You have that one after you're, you know, you put Brandy to bed after you remind her of your lives together with the notebook. And That's the, right. You know, you yeah. hold hands as mm-hmm. the fucking caretaker plays in the background. Well, how else are you going to replenish after doing a puzzle? You need <laughs> well, you a wild, have, sweet You don't have tea. to because it's the final good night because uh, right. oh, no. you just right. had your wild, sweet orange tea. Can your digestion handle it? It's way above orange. ginger. Well, right. it's not bad for it, but it doesn't aid. And, I mean, it's not a support system. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, it doesn't have any probiotics in it, for example. It's just, uh, it's just a, it's, it's a good flavor. Just a good flavor. So, so anyways, that's how we're going to rate beers today. Uh, and on that note, uh, I'm going to go grab my first one, and we'll be right back with Dissecting Our Fun, and we're going to talk about board games. Spencer, 
what are you drinking? Well, it's been a minute. And so I thought, what better way to celebrate my incredibly robust, comprehensive and coherent rating system <laughs> than to open a Stillwater. And there he Stillwater, is. he's still got a little outlaw in him. He's still, he's still willing to ride the Stillwater dragon. They've leaned into their own bit. This is called Stillwater's Why Can't I Be You 2020. It is a double dry hopped farmhouse pale ale. You do so, not want to see double dry next to Stillwater. I'll tell you that no. from experience. Also, I like the idea that was of the early days before the Stillwater redemption. Uh, but yeah, why did they feel the need to make a beer celebrating 2020? I would argue that 75 percent of their catalog is just 2020 as a flavor, and so I don't think they needed to call it out so explicitly in mm-hmm. one product. <laughs> Yep, it smells like a pale ale, by the way. So oh, that's exciting. It's, it's going to do more than smell like one. Yeah, double. You strap in for that ride. God bless Farmhouse you. Farmhouse pale. That's not a great combination. Farmhouse had the right stuff. He drank it. Oh no! Doesn't seem too bad. Yeah, it's worse. not. It's not getting a visceral reaction. Uh, or is it? I gotta be honest about something. But for the. Um, carbonation of it it's too frothy that's too hard to drink out of the can that is a very good beer Hmm. it is so part of the problem for me with pale ales is that almost and exclusively they go too hard in the paint too quickly there's just no subtlety it's like oh you're drinking a beer did you want it to taste like this and that's yeah just all Mm -hmm. pale ale all the time Mm -hmm. but the farmhouse The kind of like weird, more aromatic, a little bit like funky and airy sits on top of the pale ale and actually cuts that. So you get the bottom of the pale ale, but on top of it, you're getting farmhouse and some double dry hopped, like really aromatic, almost floral flavors. And it's, it's really very, like, I really like this beer. I would go buy this, actively buy this. Um, And I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. I, that makes me feel weird in, in, in places <laughs> in my body I didn't know existed. Um, I'm going to take one more drink to see if the frothiness has calmed down because I'm going to be – let me make my intentions clear. I am waffling between a four and a five on this. Damn. And if, if I can get a better pull of it, it will be a five. If it remains to be too fizzy, it will be a four. So una momento. Do you think pouring into a glass would help with that, um, Caleb, in terms of the frothiness? I mean, we could never know. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm not going to. A, the glasses are all the way in there. Yeah, <laughs> here. C, Might as well be on Mars, man. Here's yeah. the thing. I actually gone too far. Fair. <laughs> it, it's not necessarily a problem. So, like, sometimes frothiness is an issue because it's it's a, a, a barrier when it hits your lips. Like, you cannot get enough. This is a more, like, it is a carbonated or once it gets in your mouth, it froths quickly. And so, um, it's a four. Okay. Um, but I'm going to tell you something. Uh, it... Uh, it could have been a five in a different world and, and maybe in a glass or off of the tap. This in a world in which glasses existed and we could use right. them to pour right. beers into, yeah. mm-hmm. which obviously isn't the case. We can't do that. So we just have to imagine. But four is still pretty good. So I mean, for a Stillwater beer named after 2020, yeah. this, this is some Twilight Zone shit. Yeah. Uh, all right. That was a lot of you using the term frothy. So mm-hmm. we're going to move on to dissecting yeah. our fun, yeah. uh, in which Joey Rogers suggests 
Many board games come with plastic tokens, miniatures, or other game pieces. Though these pieces make a great presentation, they can drive the cost of games up sometimes significantly. With 3D printers becoming more and more affordable and accessible, how viable do you think lower-priced versions of games that supply files for 3D printing these pieces will become? And could this one day be the norm? Could home 3D printing also change the way enhanced pieces such as broken token products fit into the board game ecosystem there yeah i don't spend as much time in the tabletop rpg space but i know enough and follow enough people who do that i can already tell you that 3d printing it maybe revolutionized maybe too strong a term to describe its role in the ttrpg space Mm -hmm. but certainly enhanced uh oh sure is pushing forward the TTRPG space. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't see any reason why. Well, that's not true. I see I see reasons why this could innovate the board game space in the same way that print and play files, as Kickstarter promises or as mm-hmm. Kickstarter options have revolutionized or at least made more accessible some board games to some people. Um, I think one of the problems here is that unlike TTRPGs, board games are going in the opposite direction of simplicity in many ways. They're going to highly packaged, highly bespoke, very intricate models. Uh, And so you think about the gloom havens of the world. uh, You think about Scythe, Concordia, and and not to just talk about Jamie Stegmaier. Um, Certainly games that are based on other IP, Big Trouble in Little China, Hellboy, etc., which have all Mm -hmm. been incredibly popular, uh, incredibly high-grossing Kickstarter projects over the last couple of years or self-funded projects. These are all about people, companies providing to you pieces printed specifically for the lore, the, the function of their game. And I don't, I don't know that a lot of board game companies that are producing things right now would slush, slash that part of their production operation, by extension, profit, revenue at least, for giving out 3D printing files. That's not to say people won't do it, and I think over time it won't have the net effect of diminishing the impact or value of some of that stuff that comes in the box. But for now, I don't think it will have the same offset effect as it maybe could in other spaces. Yeah, I can only see one way in which this works, and it's kind of a nightmare dystopia. So, don't know. I'm kind of loath to say it aloud. At least, like game workshops swoop in and be like, "Yes, make things worse." But um, so here's the thing: <clears throat> shipping's not going to get better, um, especially any kind of middling operation, any kind of middling war game in which pieces are being repurposed from some other game or uh, a limited print run or something from a mini house. Um, Shipping fucking sucks, and it's going to get worse and more unpredictable, and especially with Plague all the fucking time. Um, So, A, I don't see companies that are really big giving out 3D print model stuff and not enforcing IP, like your your Games Workshop and shit, uh, or your Reaper and shit. Uh, And then... Secondly, if you're a low level, I don't see you wanting to fuck with shipping. So I do see a place when you could like you make a you make an understanding that we're not going to have any more Hellboy games or Batman games very long because shipping that much that fucking tanker truck full of minis to uh fucking uh Canada or someplace in the Netherlands is going to be a billion T dollars and take four years. Um, We start recognizing that those guys have a lot of money and a lot of space to collect monies in the first place. 
and we start expecting them to have 3D printers and do that kind of shit. I could see you making it worth some sort of dystopian, like, hey, you back our Kickstarter, you get all our 3D models, and then you become a vendor for us, and then mm. you can sell shit on Etsy. Like, you, I could see some sort of nightmarish, like, buy a franchise and printing this game mm-hmm. from your 3D print shop, like some WeWork uh, Uber, but for 3D printing all over the world to minimize right. shipping Crowd, crowdsourcing kind of. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But otherwise like <clears throat> I think the 3d printing thing in terms of piracy is just going to take off whether you have your ha- hand on it or not. Cause the fact of the matter yeah. is there's a material reality and the material reality is, is that if I ever do a Kickstarter again, the amount of money I have to make before I consider doing anything that involves shipping myself and is PO- isn't POD, um, that amount of money is astronomical and getting higher every day when like, oh, that that boat from China, what with all them shipping containers gone now, like just poof, like or oh, the Republicans actually decided we're building a wall around the Atlantic. Like, uh, yeah, like I don't want to rely on those things anymore <laughs> on my Kickstarter profits. And I don't know um, how long people will continue to do that because the big guys don't need to and the small guys can't afford to. Well, I, I think that's sort of a, a limited view, Kayla, because um, 3D printing is changing it because uh, for one thing, I think 3D printing is already creating a new space within board gaming to um accessorize and mod games like i mean we're doing instead of broken token stuff people are making their own accessories or customizing or creating house rule versions of games with new tokens so it's not an all or nothing thing um and i think obviously no, there's a business no, but that's what i'm that's what i'm saying like okay. I, I was talking about it from a company's perspective i think that's going to happen any way you cut it okay like you um, know what i mean i think I, you're going to stop that so it's either Get yourself cut out of the equation because backing the Kickstarter means I also need to pay you $5,000 to ship me a baby coffin's worth of plastic miniatures. Or, wait, here's the entire thing pirated online. I'll just take that and 3D print it. Thank you very much. I think that's the choice they have to make. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like... You, you yeah. either can be part of it and it's part of the way that you help your company be supported and mm-hmm. you're like open about that because you don't you don't want to like do it for fucking free and I certainly understand that mm-hmm. um, but you also have to acknowledge that you can't beat piracy by yourself <laughs> sure uh, or you can like yeah be 40k which is like buy this new army every three seconds and weird people found a way around that on tabletops you know yeah. you know what I mean yeah. I mean, the thing is, I think we're sort of like in the mid to late 90s in terms of comparison, like think about what the internet was in the mid to late 90s. And I think that's where 3D printing is now. So I think mm-hmm. um, in 10 or 20 years, we're like the technology is just going to keep getting better and better. Uh, but until like, I don't think it's going to be a casual thing until a person can push a button and then like, you know, and then the not next know night, anything about filaments and not. Have yeah, exactly. Uh, and then they can have a game to play. But like, yeah. um I think there is going to be a space for people who do make games that are just 3d printer. Like I've already seen some that's like, Hey, here's a mini system and here's our 3d minis files. Just make whatever, or use whatever file, you know, models you want. Um, I I think it kind of suggested as an Etsy thing because there is such a physical skill still required 3d printing that I think if you wanted to encourage and spread it around, you could Mm -hmm. make it part of that Etsy home 
by piecemeal work yeah. grind for people because and i and i think God like knows, i, think about I watching, monetize my hobbies yeah. yeah i think about walking down the the like vendor or artist aisles like at gen con or origins mm-hmm. and ross to your point i don't think we're too far off from the artist like the art and vendor rows being more oriented to this kind of stuff as 3d printing does become more accessible and people can do higher quality versions of it and sell mm-hmm. it as accessories to games i mean in some ways there's no fundamental difference between that and me going to broken token or one of these other vendors and trying to buy upgraded components for concordia right i mean i think that these things will impact the landscape in that way i don't think though game producers are going to move in that direction because as i think back to the last gen con i attended which i think was the last gen con that we had because Mm. last year was out I've been surprised both times I've been to Gen Con at how, what feels like how inordinate a space at that convention is taken up by figurines, tokens, accessories, not, mm-hmm. not games. And in some instances, uh, how some of these larger kids yard by 40 yard miniature battle enactment of whatever. Right. The fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and I think that there are still enough large enough companies that are relying on, uh, charging greater than you should pay for a board game numbers for people to get the whole thing in the box. And, and then if you want to paint the minis, great. And if you don't want to paint the minis, that's okay too. It's part and parcel of the project, which is why you're going to spend a hundred dollars for big trouble in little China mm-hmm. rather than 20 hey, and hey, print it yourself. Hey, are you talking about wagon people? We know my feelings about wagon folk. With their well, wagons. yeah. I mean, I didn't want to do that, All but right. you know, here we are. I'm on record as how I feel about the wagons, in the convention space. Yes, the only way yes. I can do it is to lean in now. He, except for he, Evan the Wagon Guy. He's cool. He's except the, for Evan the Wagon Guy. He's the exception, um, damn it. I do think, Ross, though, that you're right that like we're probably at about boom period wherein at some point here in the next couple of years we're going to be shocked at how uh, diffuse this is a technology in the board game space. And I already am interested. Like if people came to me and said, hey, you love Scythe. I pre- 3D printed some Scythe minis that are cooler, cooler than the ones you have. Do you want to pay for them? 100% sure. I want to pay yeah, for them. Yeah, friend of the show, Baz, uh, has already astounded us with mm-hmm. his 3D printing skills. We're like, see him on a webcam. I mean, he's got the fucking robot from Rocky Four behind him. And he's just like, oh, what? Polly's robot? Don't worry about it. I just 3D printed it. Yeah. Like, mm, yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, the thing, yeah, Spencer, that's a really good point. I think in a, in a couple of years, we may see like entirely new types of tabletop games that could only exist because of three D printers. Imagine like a game where there was like a system to build a mini, you know, and you could point cost it. So it was always balanced, but then you design your own minis and if you guys play table spheres. It's yeah. like lawn darts, but more dangerous. Yeah. Come on. But imagine that like it's 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 got like a, a trading card component game like where you design something or you build a deck or or in this case a, a miniature or some sort of thing and then like uh you could always verify that it's balanced and then you could just go hog wild and then maybe there's a a website or an app that lets you design it without having to be a designer you know it's like an assembly line thing kind of like the um 3d hero forge or whatever it is hero forge i think that lets you create your own mini so imagine a game around that uh and so people just make their own minis and then people like hey, uh, you yeah. could also yeah you could also go to gen con stand in a line for four hours mm-hmm. pay an exorbitant amount of money to have your face 3d scanned mm-hmm. and then maybe get a miniature about it five years from now yeah um also but yeah. consider that yeah mm-hmm. but i think the 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 infrastructure for that the technology for that will will create new possibilities so yeah i think yeah. i mean it's 
we're all, we're still in the the you know the Sandra Bullock the net ver- era of this of this boom. If you want to do a comparison, so um, I only want to do comparisons based on Sandra Bullock movies. Okay, yeah. we can do that. This is a Sandra Bullock fan cast. Man. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, anyway, I need a beer before we talk about um, uh, legally. What? No, that's that's the other one. Miscongeniality is what I'm talking about. The heat's good yeah. too. Mm-hmm. The heat's great. Speed. Yeah. We're not fucking talking about speed on this oh, podcast. Oh yeah, What's speed's great. Yeah, wow. I just brought up. Well, line. I got. I need beer. There's too okay. many. All right. Caleb, what are you drinking? I am going to drink from Maplewood Brewing Company out of Chicago. Uh, it says brewed in Chicago for good folks everywhere. The fat pug oatmeal milk stout. It's got a pug on it with like, I would hope so. I don't care for the name of that beer. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I'm like particularly offended in the name of pug. We've had a bad animal based system. Yeah. Most of the time if there's an animal in the can, we're in trouble. And dogs in particular. Yeah. Dog like leg humper is what comes to mind when you have a dog on your beard. That's perhaps unfair, but I was traumatized by it was a lot. I think that's fair. You you don't have to you don't have to sugarcoat it, Caleb. I don't and I've never seen a thin pug. So it's not like I think I I take umbrage with it. It's just I don't know. Maybe it's the dog thing. Really? Is this the, the exception that proves the rule? Well um it goes heavy in the oatmeal, and by oatmeal, it really tastes of like farmers market oatmeal, like not a lot of sugar added, very like whole wheaty mm-hmm. uh, oats, mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of goes with a stronger alcoholic. Uh, I think this is what percent is this? This is almost six percent, so um, that is pretty high for what is a milk stout. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, by attaching it to the sort of this farmer market oat, mm-hmm. uh, the alcoholic stringentness, it kind of works for me. I like it. Um, I feel like I'm ready to get, get good and drunk before I go out and work on the frozen plains. Uh, yeah, I like it. It's very good. I give it a four. Oh, wow. It has been frozen plains around here. Today's like the first day that we've had something that looks like normal sunlight in what feels like seven months. So yep. yeah, I mean it's you a milk stout for when you like want to get after it. But right. yep. turns out I want to get after it. Uh, I was gonna say that yeah, it feels like that kind of a lot rating system. Uh, so anyway, uh, what we're talking about today is again one of your perennial segments. You're constantly raving for a favorite a favorite of the fan base that we just can't get away from. So we begrudgingly return to battle try uh, where we, of course, uh, launch into our battle cries. Uh, Chris Reed has suggested, fuck it. It's time to battle, declare your battle cry and pair it with a frothy ale to call upon the gods before entering the melee. Uh, as is known, we have to answer every challenge, if verbally challenged, to prove ourselves in battle, not physically, never physically. We don't do never. No, we don't do the physical challenges, but verbally, we'll be your huckleberry. Uh, we're there for it. So uh, here, here in Battle Try, we're we're about to launch into verbal fisticuffs, Spencer. Uh, announce your house before launching yourself into the melee. Uh, House Murray, obviously. Um, 
and making us both adorable and also surprisingly aggressive. Um, as I thought about my battle cry, I couldn't ignore my deeply Midwestern roots. Uh, that's where I am. That's who I am. That's where I'm from. That's how I be. And we in the Midwest believe in doing things on principle. And we also simultaneously believe in apologizing for those things and for those principles. And so my battle cry would be, I'm sorry in advance, and I hope we're all better for this. And then I would slam, I would slam a prairie Christmas bomb, and then I would just lightly jog out towards the battlefield to engage in a, in a battle of wits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so mine uh, has a lot of requirements. I mean, I need to make it clear that I'm fighting for the people. Sure. Uh, and that this violence is necessary for the revolution. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a big thing. I need to acknowledge how ridiculous I will look Mm. while engaging in this war cry and attack. Mm. Um, So as to let people know that I'm sort of in on the joke, but what really matters is our march towards victory. Mm -hmm. Um, and also I need to motivate myself in order to do all these things. So I'm going to start with the beer. I'm going to go with side project Savignon Blanc, which I believe I gave a four and is of course a heavily, heavily wine and champagne influenced brand of beer. Um, because wine gets me fighting drunk. If I know anything about Caleb, it's that one glass of wine is other people's a whole bottle of tequila for, for Caleb. So I need a wine based beer for it. Um, and then my battle cry is going to be, that's not your purse. Of course, <laughs> quoting Bobby Hill. Cause that is roughly what I will look like sort of that cross with the star Wars kid. And it also has Marxist connotations because the purse is our exploited labor right. that we must take back. Right. from the uh, you're, you're telling the state that's not your purse yeah i'm telling the state that's not your purse right and then going for the junk yeah yeah so yeah. that's my no i get it. Mm-hmm. it well what i like what i like about it is that you're telling the state that's not your purse your purse while you're drinking maybe the most difficult to find proto example of consumer based capitalism as a beer and so really the the grand the grand agon of all of it will also function like a, like an atomic bomb on the field. Look, man, so if the capital riots fight. taught me anything, it's, it's that Karens with too much Riesling can get anything done. It hulks them out like superpowers, it's, and they'll charge it Bravo, right. like child soldiers in some sort of obscure African war tragedy. Like, they will just, I, I am invincible for I had a gigantic bottle of Riesling, and now I will rescue you from the pedophiles. Oh, wait, I got shot. So it look, is, yeah, yeah. I know I need to be motivated like that, but he didn't say I could have wine, so I got to mm-hmm. get as close as I can with the wine-based beer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. You found it. Yeah. You found it. Yeah. Ross? Um, okay, so I like the Caleb idea of, yeah, of having something to drink. So obviously... Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, that would be Malort. I, w- I would take a long shot Ooh. from the bottle, Ooh, looking my enemy directly in the eye. Producer Ross is yeah. winning. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I pull that. Uh, and I think, I mean, my battle cry is obvious. Uh, 
Hey, this is Ross Payton with Roleplay Public Radio. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So we, sort uh, of a, it's sort of a weaponized. I have a banner. You know I have a banner. Oh, yeah, you could. Yeah, I literally have a banner. House yeah. on it. Yeah, Micah could be there mm-hmm. waving it back and forth. Yeah, see, I have a banner carrier. Because it's yeah. just ridiculously heavy to hold up. Mm-hmm. It is It is quite the workout. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in terms of, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe we could workshop a few different ones. I, I also was thinking maybe just screaming at aesthetics um, <laughs> or uh, no reason, uh, like the, the great movie uh, Rubber. Uh, why does anything happen? No reason. Um, uh, yeah, uh, so we'll, we'll see what, what, what creates the most fear and anxiety in my enemy's eyes. A, a cornucopia of options. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. cornucopia, but uh, essentially, yeah. yeah, house aesthetic terrorist. Uh, so, um, well, yeah. everyone vote for who'd win, yeah. which is how we end every battle try segment. <laughs> Obviously, because Obviously. we won't act, actually physically do anything, never. Yeah. No. No. The winner gets a nothing. Yeah, mm-hmm. winner gets nothing. Uh, but the respect the of the listeners. Yeah. All right. So uh, mm-hmm. let us know. Hashtag Team Caleb. Don't type anything else on Twitter. And uh, producer Ross is <laughs> here. Weird. Producer Ross, what are you drinking? Hopping Frog has a King Goza Salted Caramel, ale brewed with natural flavors, 6%. Um, we've only had a Hopping Frog once before, according to the spreadsheet. So, yeah. I don't, I've never had a Goza and thought, you know what's missing here? Salted Caramel. And so this is oh. this is just not yeah that's oh. that's what I was thinking yeah. yeah oh god yeah no that's not right <laughs> no it's not Ugh. that is a uh, that is a one that is that coated my throat with uh, ooh, ooh. ooh yeah it's, a fast one you don't yeah. give ones lightly no it's just a bad reaction um, you're ma- you gave Malort like a four you're no I didn't you please you you, you enjoyed Malort no so I don't I it's preserve- on the microphone you <laughs> son of a bitch yeah you can't retcon that yeah the whole thing is like I've never had a goza and thought more salted caramel and I've never had salted caramel and thought you know this would be better if it were a sour beer yeah so I just think the whole thing was kind of like a bad idea the yeah, beer just, hole tried to cough up a pickle goza for me today, and I was just like, no. Oh, I would absolutely drink a pickle goza. I know, and you gave it to me intentionally. Oh, you, no. Yeah. What yeah. a mistake. Yeah. Well, I don't take blame for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, it does into... taste like caramel, but it's just not good. It's just not, right. a, not it, it is does what it says on the tin. It's just also not a good thing. Car- caramel's not very good. So eh, it's fine. There's as that. A there's as that. a candy, At it's me. fine. But right. eh, yeah, I'm not going to defend it. Uh, we're into Armchair Director, which is earnestly a genuine segment on this podcast for four and a half years running, and mm-hmm. you voted for it. Just this like time they all year. are. Mm-hmm. Just like they all are. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've never done a new segment. Uh, <laughs> there is no such thing as time. Uh, this is your, you've always been here, Jack. This is your number one <laughs> vote getter, uh, Armchair Director. And Copper Crane asks, best movies to watch through the internet with friends during a pandemic and lo and behold you have asked some real experts on this topic not it's me, spencer course. yeah right. yeah yeah what do you got Spence? I, um i would say something probably really complex uh and long i recently <laughs> watched tenet 
And I would definitely want to watch that with other people. And I would certainly want to watch that again. I, I am, also like bad movies with my friends. Right. Um, I am joking, but I, I did not care for Tenet, I don't think. Maybe I did. I You're don't know. You're not invested in the, in the fate of the protagonist? protagonist? Yeah. I have never either felt dumber or smarter after a movie than watching Tenet. And I don't know which one. Uh, it depends on whether you paid for it or not. Hell, <laughs> I didn't. Well, then you should feel great. Yeah. You did it the good. right way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's bad. Um, you should watch bad things with your friends uh, and burrow into, but you shouldn't do it for money. You should watch bad things with your friends and make fun of it and just burrow endlessly into inside jokes until you pierce the veil of reality. Not that well, is what I have decided. Um, actually, good movies are okay, but like good movies that's that also you fine. Say, but you got to yeah. let it come organically. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely organically. Uh, come up with themes. Go through movie series. Um, there are some good movies that were released last year that are good. Like one one specific movie I think everyone should watch is Psycho Goreman. Um, <laughs> Psycho Goreman <laughs> is yeah. a tour de force, uh, just just a masterclass in in comedy and acting and drama. It's it's got it all, uh, plus a lot of really cool prosthetic effects. Um, you know, if the operative word is with your friends, and mm-hmm. it should be very clear at all times when you pick a movie that the goal is to be with your friends, and the movie is an excuse to do so. Yeah, right. Yeah, I so think that's the trick. Um, no one should ever get angry that you're talking over something. Exactly. Uh, I mean, preferably have <laughs> move, turn subtitles on so people can follow yeah. along. Um, you know, that's just nice, especially internet connections being what they are. Um, M- much like a board game, watching a bad movie together in a mm-hmm. Discord chat is a uh, curated um, social experience social that has yeah. a pace and rules and uh, things that develop organically based on whatever you're doing. It's um, it's comfort food movies, essentially, uh, yeah. are the best kind of things. Uh, and also weird, just like train wreck movies, um, Neil Breen movies, The Room. Yeah, so... If, um, if you're going to take it seriously, don't watch it there. Like if right and take yeah. it seriously and like it, but you can also have seen it so many times that it doesn't matter if you talk mm-hmm. over it. Um, that, that would be the kind of good movie you'd want to watch. I think otherwise you just want to um, be there for your friends and not for the movie. In fact, mm-hmm. quite the opposite. The worst ones are often better. Yeah. Godzilla movies. Um, I mean, there's so many of them. Uh, yeah, watch all the Zautoichis there. I just killed uh-huh. a year of your life. Uh, <laughs> it's gone. There's, Lone Wolf there's and fucking Cub, yeah. 80 of them. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, get the criterion and just immerse yourself in blind masseuses. 1980s uh, Italian sci fi and horror. You're like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Argento, Fulci. Uh, yeah, just, just have fun. I mean, uh, and obviously, if it's these are the kind of movies you enjoy anyway. Like, um, if you're the kind of person who enjoys, uh, like, Spencer, what are your kind of comfort food movies? So I like watching like Edgar Wright films for comfort. I like okay. Watch, so like Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, uh, oh, Scott yeah. Pilgrim versus the World, Ghostbusters, uh, like the Marvel movies are comfort food for me. I know them. They're, I, I enjoy watching them. The weird thing for me is that like watching movies generally is not really a social experience for me. And so I very, if, if I'm not going to the Alamo, like I don't really sit down and watch movies with other people, but for my wife. And like I can count on my hand. The number of times in the last couple of years I've sat down as a social thing and watched a movie with other people. Mm-hmm. And I think Caleb is in like every one of those instances. 
and that's largely because he he functionally obligated me to watch Batman versus Superman one time just so he could watch me watch Batman versus Superman. God, that was great. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just leave your eyes. It was <laughs> so I, you know, like the whole thing for me is uh, like if I were going to do it, I would do it because I wanted to talk to other people. Um, mm-hmm. There's also there the bad version of this for me is everyone thinking they're capable of being on Mystery Science Theater 3000, mm-hmm. and that ruins the social experience for me. And so there's a real like narrow window here where I'm like, this was a good thing to do. And in all other instances, I'm frustrated because I'm not watching the movie or because it's impossible to actually have a conversation with people. And so this one's hey, trickier for me. Hey, hot take. Um, get a tub master. Uh, we, we, Burke is a capricious God. If you talk too much, he'll mute you. Like he just doesn't care. Really? <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. He's, he, he, uh, there, there's no room for debate. Um, I think that's another way to cut. Like, you don't even have to pick new movies. Just watch Shawshank Redemption. Just call, just call your movie hangout. This is TNT circa 1992 to 2017 and right. just watch the Shawshank Redemption on repeat every night and talk to your it, friends. It interspersed with episodes of Friends. Oh, yeah, and yeah, like watch all of Scrubs there. It, you're going to be together for nine years because uh, they made too much of it. But yeah, before right. you do that, specifically watch the movie Deadly Lessons. Uh, <laughs> everyone on the planet should watch that. It's uh, beyond description. Just watch it. Don't, don't. Just, um, curate it because the point is the interaction if someone's a little chatty calm them down the point's not the movie like the point mystery Love science that. 3000 is trying to sell the movie if we spend the entire time exchanging um fucking sourdough starter recipes over uh you know the room or whatever that's just the way it went that night baby like right. you gotta you gotta right. be cool with it so mm-hmm. and now um, you got some bread it's not about the movie it's about mm-hmm. hanging out with your friends Hey, I mean, hanging out. Yeah, uh, like Birdemic. Um, another thing is, aside <laughs> from just movies, like eventually you can just watch weird YouTube videos. I know YouTube is uh, an unfamiliar thing to you, Spencer, but unfamiliar. Um, don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Um, there's he, he has watched can, six hours of it. Yeah, you can be on two internet things at once. <laughs> you can actually be on two internet things at hmm. once. Um, so watch just weird whatever kind of YouTube videos you all like. Um, uh, Tim Rogers would be my suggestion. Yeah, exactly. You could watch Tim Rogers. Uh, you could watch, uh, but things without a lot of dialogue are better in general because you want to be able to talking. So like uh, just even dumb meme compilations or fail compilations or uh, weird cooking videos. And I'll leave those that leave it at that for weird cooking. Cause that's a broad topic. <laughs> and uh, just, just discover it for I mean, yourself. That sounds sinister. Yeah. What you uh, just said. Yeah. It was sinister sounding. Oh no, I didn't mean that. What but have you done? I'm sorry. Maybe. Um, but so, you know, it's also maybe intriguing. Maybe like, what is this mystery? What is weird? Who can, who can know? Really, you who just gotta know? Google it or just YouTube gotta, it. YouTube it. Yeah. Uh, find out how the sausage is made. Hey, oh, have to get out of the segment immediately. I, I I'm leaving, so that'll help. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go get another beer. Pinsa, what are you drinking? So you remember uh, when we used to do this podcast at Ross's house? <laughs> oh, God, no. uh, 
Um, it was a long time ago. We can't talk about the before times. Right, right. And uh, one of my favorite things to do before going to Ross's house to record, other than getting pre-drunk, which mm-hmm. was the best thing to do, was to go to the price cutter down the street to pick up what we were going to drink for the day. Because they actually had like a nice little uh, build-your-own six-pack collection, and you could buy singles. And using that method, we ran through every crane brewing beer that was produced for like a solid year. And it just so happened that like literally every one of them was a different fruit themed Goza. And so all we could do for a while. Yeah. We could just (laughs) distinguish crane beers by colors. Like, Oh, you Mm -hmm. mean the blue one? Because there was no no, lavender. It was more of a, yeah. yeah, Right. Kind of of a soft purple. Yeah. Like a dream. Um, uh, Yeah. We had no idea what to call them. So now, so then when you brought me this new hall for, for beer, I pulled out a crane bottle that has a cat on it and is not some like odd geometric shape and or bright color. Yeah, called it's not origami. A, yeah. No, yeah. Called a minette, a barrel aged grisette style ale bottle conditioned with bread anomalies. And I'm excited to know that crane makes any other beer. And, uh, and I'm excited to drink this beer. And actually, I think it was Weiss's. They were doing Weiss's, right? Not Goes's, like T. Weiss, mm-hmm. Orange Weiss. That was their bit. So anyways, mm-hmm. the, this is not any of that. They got mad rhymes too. Manette, Grisette, Pirouette. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another thing that ends in wet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's phenomenal. I'm that a poet. Is, you are. <laughs> mm, the back might be a little weird. Uh oh. Hey, ain't nothing wrong with a weird back. I mean, there is, there is by definition. It's Brennanomyces. It's always going to have yeah. a weird back. Yeah, not, but not, so, not in a good way. Um, the front of it tastes like, um, uh, Caleb, remind me, uh, who is it that makes those thick neck bottles we like through the brambles? Sweetwater. Sweetwater. Yeah, thank you. The The front tastes like sweetwater, which is great. I mean, that's, that's on a path to a five. Mm-hmm. The back, though... The back has a little bit of an of aluminum to it, honestly. Like it just kind of it kind of dies at the back, and then it's got a little bit of like a this set in a tank for a while and picked up. Isn't it a bottle? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, aluminum in a bottle is weird. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, and and maybe that's I don't know. Uh, So it's a four. I mean, the front's really good and on its way to delicious, and then it rounds off really badly. That's why I went back to it a few times. Um, so it's a four, which, uh, which if my memory serves, is a spiced apple tea, which I highly recommend for your tea purposes. Um, and on that note, we're into Ask, Ask Mixed Six. What are we talking about? Joey Rogers asks, what goes into choosing a good pet name? I mean a name for an animal, not some cutesy nickname for your partner. I want to thank Joey for not expecting us to name your romantic partners playfully that is awkward and not someplace i am prepared to go so <laughs> good ca- caveat of the year 2021 goes to joey rogers good job joey mm-hmm. uh anyway uh pets it's, it's, as in animals how do we name them it's possible that joey heard the segment where Stephen lee asked us to name things for him <laughs> and within mere minutes i had come up with general lee <laughs> And so maybe Joey thought I would prefer they not name things for me, but instead talk about their conventions yes. for naming. Yeah. Which you are very bad. At very perhaps bad. perhaps Joey is just a good learner here. Um, so pet names. You know what? Like I, this is coming from someone who grew up in a conventional pet name household. So I grew up with two Westies, Yoda and Gizmo. 
So my mom liked stuff. I'm surprised one of them wasn't named Pennywise, for Christ's sake. So my mom liked stuff, and then she named her fuzzy little dogs after fuzzy little things that she liked, which I thought was like, you know, okay, fine. That's how this works. And then out of nowhere, as I get older, we get a gadget and a Bart. Just just out of nowhere. And this isn't some, like, Inspector reference Gadget to Gadget and Bart nope. from The nope. Simpsons. Nope. They're, just they're mom laughable. liked those names. She just liked those names. And okay. so for me, naming pets was a real narrow path that got womp ratted pretty quickly in my life. And so now I'm, I'm of the opinion that like everything's on the table. Well, sure. Uh, it, go ahead. Oh, um, I was just saying the main thing is that it's, it's something that's easy to say when you're screaming that uh, looking for your lost pet in the neighborhood. Yeah, that's the only, that's the only rule. Yeah, so it can't be something that's you would easily trip out on your words, um, you know, uh, seashells or something like that. Don't 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 do something that would uh, be uh, yeah, Shelly she sells something like that. But don't do that. Uh, don't make it too long. I mean, a couple like no more than four or five syllables, I would think. Uh, but yeah, something that's yellable. Um, mm-hmm. That that's the main criteria. I think that's the only rule. And then beyond mm-hmm. that, you should askew rules as long mm-hmm. as you're willing to yell it um let it be the first thing that comes into your head i've had animals named nonsense strings of syllables i've had animals named after like bits of furniture i've seen or like parts of different animals i've had animals named after different animals uh you have a cat I, named splenda i have a cat named after a condiment they and uh yeah the the his mother was based on a uh, particularly drunken comet that Mel Gibson made. So you you got to just go all out, but you got to be ready to yell it aloud, like producer Ross says. Just mm-hmm. do not be bound by tradition, except your ability to scream it into the night sky in what is a lament, because your pet is missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, as long as you're willing to, or drop you're disappointed in the pet, and you're yeah, just, yeah, or yeah, maybe they're doing something to wrong. drop to your knees or uh, angrily. Skull. No, put that down uh, in that voice. Uh, it's good. Yeah, I would encourage yeah. you in terms of, of the act of naming, I would encourage you to look deep into your pet's eyes and it'll tell you its name. And that's no, how we don't look deep into Murray's eyes. He will bite your. That's face. how we ended up with Murray. He I finds that very challenging. Face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and I went, yeah, his name's Murray. Okay. I get it. I get you, Murray. Mur- Murray, like a David easy. Mamet character, you know, like in a, in a sequel to Glengarry Glenn Ross. <laughs> yeah, Murray is an- the fucking leads. Yeah, exactly. Um, right uh, now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from your face. <laughs> Gotta watch out. Gotta now, watch out. Stay on your toes. It's actually okay to have a long name if it's something that can be abbreviated. Like Mayor Fuzzlebottom uh, is a good cat name, but like you could just call him Fuzzle or Fuzz or Fuzzlebottom or, or Bottom. Yeah, uh, our Roomba is named Herbert Hoover, but we just refer to him as Mr. President or the Prez. Roombas are not yeah. pets; they they are robots. Okay, wow. fuck you, you <laughs> bioconservative. Yeah, wow. I'm sorry. I'm living here in the future. Did not see that coming from producer Ross. Why don't you go? Why don't you go drink tea with your backwards ways? You can love your Roomba. You just have to recognize it's not a. I'll be here in my cyberpunk future with my pet Roomba, Mister President. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, to Ross's point, you know, what's next? People marrying their dogs. You know. Yeah. Wow. All right. 
way to slippery slope me. You um, did this. Uh-huh. You did this. And you know what we tried to do? We tried to clean up the slippery slope, and you told us that wasn't a pet. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. This. I'm sorry you're on the wrong side of history here, Peyton. Uh, right? Name your name your uh, uh, pets after uh, 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 rhetorical uh, fallacies. Uh, oh, come here, just for a fallacy. <laughs> Come here, Chestworld. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's pretty dark. Yeah. It's like uh, a Murakami novel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I will uh, say reptile yeah. names are uh, best named after samurai um, or Japanese actors who depict samurai, uh, just in general, from personal experience. Yeah. I'm going to take your word on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Got a lot of hard and fast uh, so, rules here. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. You, you've been told. Mm-hmm. Good job, Joey. Yeah. Yeah. We're, For we're those of you that were going to go pet your Roomba. Just remember not to love it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Just recognize it's not a pet. Caleb, what, uh, what are you, uh, what are you, uh, drinking there? We drink in the four by four brewing company, smooth criminal, double dry hopped, double, India Pale Ale. That's too many doubles. Well, it's four by four. Get it? So, mm. so they, they, they play it with works on like lots that. of levels there. Multiple levels. Mm-hmm. Poss- For those of you that don't know, four by four is a local brewery here in old Springtown, Missouri, and honestly has a really nice little game room, beer mm-hmm. hall vibe, outdoor space. I'm a, I'm a four by four fan, and it's right around the corner from my office, mm-hmm. if and when I ever go back to my office. Yeah. I like their stuff. I'm going to give that yeah. a three. Yeah, that feels most of their stuff's a three to me. They also do blends, which I really appreciate. It's a very yeah. strong. Um, the blends are better, in my opinion. But yeah, what's the pine needle you one? The oh uh, yeah, um, very strong Simcoe up front. C- Sierra Nevada, maybe. Yeah, it's very strong Simcoe hop up front, and then sort of vacant in the back end. It sort of hollows out in a space where you would expect there to be another flavor if this is a blank ipa mm-hmm. but it's just a double double ipa so it's just like wow like very loud up front and then nothing mm-hmm. um, so i'm gonna call that a three yeah it feels right and it's i guess not- the good news is if it were something on the back it'd be too much in the other direction too yeah i'm awake now i'll give it right. that much i don't yeah. i don't know why i don't know why my attention has been brought to this beer Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, you have it. So I guess dropping a book does the same thing, but okay. I'm here now. Uh, yeah. Drinking a book. I am here now. Three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's Living with Humans, your number two vote getter. And we hear from our favorite <laughs> listeners. Best listener. It is definitely real. Ukulele Herzegovina. Ukulele Herzegovina suggests in Living with Humans, talk about the concept of social engineering and where it crops up in your lives. Have you ever thought, oh, I'm going to social engineer the crap out of the situation or something similar? Alternatively, share your thoughts about social engineering as a concept, whether in social sciences or information security in a humanities fight. Uh, which one of you are, which of you is or would be the better at social engineering using or recognizing? I think Spencer's the natural candidate here, given his marketing chops. But as Caleb's job is toiling to turn kids into adults, uh, he might shoot that one down. Uh, feel free to test this with a challenge, like first one to get their chosen sound effect and the podcast wins. Uh, man, that's a lot to process, ukulele, but thank you for the question. Um, 
So what do you think? I think you're definitely better at it. I don't, I'm not going to pretend. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you could sell ice cubes to Eskimos in Alaska. Uh, yeah, as as my father would say. Uh, yeah. Here's the thing. Like, I don't. I don't. So I spent a lot of time as a debater and a debate coach, and that is a that is an uh, a a uh, setting wherein. One of your, if not your primary job is to social engineer, right? Uh, either uh, kind of like social engineering what other people might say as a response if you're thinking far enough ahead in the game or social engineering how other people might perceive the value of your claim as compared to. And so so in some ways, I spent a lot of time talking and thinking about those things. And I don't know if it's because of that that I am expressly anti this approach to things now, or if I was never pro this approach other than to say, like, I understood it was part of the game. I cannot think of a recent memory where I thought I'm going to social engineer the crap out of this. It's just like not how my brain works, I guess. But I would tell you that. I, but is that, that also the same as like not even recognizing that's how you move through the world right now? Cause it, you're that good it, at it. I don't think so. I don't think it's like some, I think it's kind of the other issue, which is, I spend so much of my energy um, only interacting, generally trying to only interact with and be in situations that are like, that I'm like pretty happy about or mm-hmm. that I'm pretty, that feel very like comfortable or natural to me. Mm-hmm. And that may in and of itself be like just peak social engineering. But for the most part, I try not to be in situations where I have to feel the need to do those things. In have process. you, well, I mean, um, Maybe uh, uh, one of the things uh, you should think about is um, like thinking of it as social engineering is maybe something that most people wouldn't do. But like, for example, have you ever played matchmaker? Have you ever tried to get two people you think that would be good together to get to date to each other or introduce them? Um, Have you ever had to deal with, uh, let's say, a relative who you can't just tell what to do, but you want them to do something or not to do something? And you've tried to like engineer it uh, so that they would take the they would do the action you think would be better um or have you ever had to do seating charts at a, like a dinner where you know that this person is likes this person or anything like that so i mean those no. are all social engineering situations okay so right. um okay well if you haven't done those yeah. things yeah uh, i don't i, I don't brandy yeah um probably yes <laughs> probably daily yeah yeah uh, she she kind of lives and breathes that stuff. She's also quite good at it, and yeah. and and for the most part, I don't have a negative connotation to it. I definitely right. social engineers things. Um, yeah. I definitely think about it as social engineering, but I just don't do it very often because I am fundamentally a very apologetic Midwestern boy who right. has very good uh, you know Protestant manners, despite the fact that he was not um, very welcome in Sunday school class uh, because. When you get to beat India, you get to beat India and it don't go out of you anytime soon. So, um, but at the same time, uh, Ross and I have talked about this, the, the act of as a writer quietly LARPing in your head as you move through buildings. I socially engineer situations in my head constantly. It is the way I keep myself entertained. Um, it is why I am fond of death traps as plots and I am fond of uh persuasive characters i don't do anything and i think that is the fundamental difference between social engineering as a intellectual exercise and social engineering as i am a sociopath leeching off everyone else around me 
Um, but yeah, Ross has also identified like some utterly benign versions of social engineering that are an absolute must. I mean, it's 2021. If you still have living parents, speaking to them is an act of social engineering. I'm sorry. Like if they if they have to exist in a news space and you are as their child dedicated to constantly keeping a bead on like, oh, my God, did they get trumped up? Did the Fox News get them? Or are they still like, well, I got to fight this. I got to say, I heard that Ben Shapiro guy was evil. So they don't turn that on because YouTube's trying to snack. Like it's an act of social engineering. And I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm not doing it. Like, I, yeah. like I'm not going to apologize yeah, you might be onto something there. for trying. I'm not going to apologize for trying to make sure that my parents don't turn into fucking mad. I mean, part of this like, is uh, definitional. Like, like what is yeah. social engineering? Like is onboarding a new employee so that they work well with others in your company. Uh, uh, social engineering and doing like, it poorly is certainly engineering for failure. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like how, like what do you, how do you define social engineering? Like what, yeah. it would like social engineering as a hacking term is like tricking someone to give you information that they shouldn't give you like a password. Right. Hey, yeah. I'm the repair guy. Give me your password so I can fix your computer. Like, yeah, I do that all the time. It's called going outside while being a leftist. Um, yeah, yeah of course I do that. Like I have to navigate in a world where no one masks and everyone like we have the highest per capita rate of capital fucking rioters by mass of any city in the state or even or maybe in the union. Like it's just an insane number of them. They, they arrested the fifth one today. Oh, like, they got they're up to five now in Springfield. huh? Yeah, yeah. like so it's ridiculous for us. <laughs> what I have to navigate out here. And so, of course, like when I go to a store and they're just like fucking democrats right buddy and i go yeah man i fucking hate him of course i do fucking hate him not for the reason he wants me to <laughs> but yeah they're fucking useless but that is social engineering i'm not going to stop it's like actually i think you're counter-revolutionary and yearn for the day we build the guillotine for people like you you reactionary shithead i'm not gonna like start my day off with that level of truth so yeah that's social engineering we do it all the time like mm-hmm. um it's it's just interaction with people that don't deserve to know your whole fucking life story because you just got to get through your fucking day like um that's social engineering and i think we all do it yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think at that level of definition, sure. Uh, probably probably spent a good portion of my day doing that. I, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that there's a, probably a more intentional, targeted, purposeful version of this that I don't really engage in all that often or certainly I can't think of times that I've engaged in it recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in terms of managing an in, managing interactions even at a broad level for the purposes of surviving as a human yeah yeah if i yeah, ask yeah. if how your day was i don't genuinely want to know most of the time <laughs> right that's that's just that's part of the that's part of it that's part of the structure right. of the code you know what i mean yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i'm with you on that yeah. i think that feels right mm-hmm. that feels right okay well in that case then sure then social and en- social engineer away y'all yeah mm-hmm. and with that One more beer. We'll be back. Producer Ross, what are you drinking? Uh, Breckenridge Brewery, which we have not done before, a Colorado brewery, has released a vanilla porter. And that's its name, just vanilla porter. It's a very, you know... 
We've not I've done a Breckenridge yeah. brewery on here. That yeah, seems like impossible. I don't think that's true at all. But that seems impossible. It's not on the spreadsheet. Um, spreadsheet, eh? Spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> Only and exclusively. Thanks for yeah, Bill. That's what he thinks of all your hard work. Oh no, producer Ross on wow. record. The spreadsheet. Spreadsheet. Um, he, this is pretty thin. It's pretty thin and watery uh, for a porter. Um, I don't really like think- spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, I like spread shit. Um, I mean, I'll keep drinking it, but yeah, this is a two. What is that? A lim- lemon ginger tea? Yeah. It is a lemon ginger tea. Um, so I'll finish it, but it's it's just kind of thin and like there's not much vanilla in it. It's kind of a generic porter. And yeah, yeah I don't I don't like many other I don't like many other beers. Yeah, there's a lot of good beer up there. That's not one of them. Yeah, it's pretty pretty forgettable. Um, so yeah, a two. So I proposed this drunk enough because, um, well, because we're coming out of uh, like an Arctic uh, attack, an Arctic attack. Is that what we what we would call the last? I would call it an Arctic storm. I would call Texas an Arctic attack. Uh, Sure, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We hit negative thirteen, just the temperature, not the wind chill, just negative thirteen flat last week, and over the course of like two to three days, got ten inches of snow. And rolling blackouts. That was rolling fun. blackouts across the city. Um, and under that, At least they so were rolling. It's <laughs> exactly right. Not not static. Uh, <laughs> under that snow, because it happened over time, over a couple of days, was a really great layer of ice too. So the mm-hmm. whole city really was shut down. And and that might not sound like much to you. Like sometimes we make jokes about Springfield and what Springfield's like. But I just want to be clear. If you're kind of thinking like, well. Well, it's not probably weird to be shut down right now because there's a pandemic. So places are shut down. I want to be clear. Springfield is not shut down. At like we're in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Right. Just drive it's past the masked. mall. Yeah. Right. And, it, and it just looks like the mall is what I'm saying. So, mm-hmm. so we genuinely had, and even though our school system, local school systems are doing kind of like a half virtual, half um, in-person learning environment. Just because they generally make up days. That's exactly Which right. Means we're not doing anything. Don't let the, don't let the shit fool you. <laughs> we uh, we generally had had shit shut down last week, like like old fashioned snow days and stuff. And it's it's been a while for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, so there was some panic in our household uh, out of that stuff because when sc- the school shut down, the boys and girls club have new expectations. So of course, Brandy like was kind of on her toes the whole week trying to figure out what their obligations would be. But all of that to say, um. It got me thinking about, and Brandy and I talking about an awful lot, the nostalgia of the snow day and how different it must be now in 2021 for students who are doing like a lot of school from home. I mean, even though they're getting on Zoom calls and whatever, and and they're Mm -hmm. still doing school, I cannot, like, I cannot think of many things that have a more centering, like bring me back to a specific place in a specific time, sitting in a specific location, kind of Ratatouille nostalgia-esque effect than snow days when we were growing up and 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 maybe my recollection of like the nostalgic power of a snow day is weird like but am i wrong here that that a snow day was a special event when we were growing up yeah mm-hmm. I mean, sure. it still is for me i mean <laughs> sure yeah. i'm not yeah. gonna lie like teachers like them too um but yeah i, I had the same thing because like the when i was a kid since both my parents were teachers being sick was nearly impossible. Like I, I could, 
I could be dying and my mom would get your fucking ass in the car right now. Like, but a snow day we did actually have off. So it was a day to play hooky because hooky for me was fucking impossible. It was either death or you were at school. So, um, yeah, snow days were magical. Yeah, they were magical. Right. And and like you communism is most people get snow days. I'm telling you. Right. You would get up earlier than you would normally get up for school and sit there and watch a scroll along the bottom of whatever local news channel was your preferred local news channel in the household. And you would just anxiously wait and hope that as the alphabet got closer to where your school or district would be named, that you would see over time. And then you would start doing that kind of like math in your head, like snow days, maybe where like most kids started to learn about like probabilities and reasoning, like, okay, well, if this one and this one gets canceled, we're also getting canceled. So then you'd start to look for like satellite communities and, and I got to think the other day, like, I don't know that those were formative. I don't know that it had like a real meaningful thing. Like, I don't know that it shaped me in some weird way, but hot damn, like now when school gets canceled, text messages go out, information is disseminated across phones quickly and swiftly. We had none of that bullshit. And this isn't, uh, this isn't like walking uphill both ways, kind of like, woe is me story. It's like, I wonder about the, the things today that- don't have the weather channel music. Right. Like the things the that were, it was as much a part of the school year. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and as, as some, as like going to school was, and I worry now, like, I don't worry. Uh, it's whatever. I mean, I think kids today will generally be better off than any of us were for in, in a lot of different ways. Um, I wonder about what, um, can you decouple our, what we could consider mutual or shared going to school experience. And we were all going to school at roughly the same periods of time. Mm-hmm. Can you decouple that experience from the snow day experience and still, and still get one without the other? Is there a way to constitute similarity among going to school shared experience when that was such to me, like I remember snow day shit about as much as I remember what I learned in, you know, like all of sixth grade history. I don't even know what we covered that year. I remember the snow days we occurred that year. And so it's just weird to me. It was it was striking to me last week how powerful that historical anchor was for me. Mm-hmm. And also how sad I got for kids today who might not encounter those things. And I don't know, maybe maybe that's I mean, still the thing, Caleb. I don't know. Maybe maybe kids still get that. Kids still get snow days. Like there's still weather still exists. So like if they can't go to school, they can't go to school. So it's not uh, but it's not just the snow day, it's the dissemination of information. So that very uh, specific weather channel experience. Yeah. I don't I don't want to shit on anyone's parade. Oh no. Very sad. I'm sorry. Oh no. I don't want to shit on snow days are magical, but I think they're gone, buddy. I'm sorry we gotta Right. That's the thing. Like, I think it's over. Yeah. uh, With AMI days, AMI days are now a result of COVID legislation. What that says is if for a high school level student and less levels from less time from down from there, if you have 15 minutes of online instruction available, not used, available to the student in any way um, per hour per day. So that is 15 times seven. If you have that much content that people can access, they don't actually have to look at it, but can access per day. Um, you can count that student as in attendance. You can get their full attendance money and you can uh, count that as a day of school that you had, meaning that's a day of school. You don't have to make up in the summer 
where cooling costs for the air conditioning are actually even worse than the heating costs in a lot of buildings. Mm. Um, so guess what? Snow days are over. Man. In the fact that like you're not expected to like go to school, you're gonna not be expected to go to school, but you're gonna be expected to do homework, which you won't actually do because no one does. Um, but it will be counted as a day, um, and it will be used by Republicans to shave more off the public school budget because mm-hmm. you're not gonna have to make up snow days anymore. They will be AMI days, and I assure you, the second COVID is cured, this will be ingrained in law and never go anywhere ever again because it's a way to save money on schools and we live in Missouri. So no more snow days. America is a failed state. So this is result of COVID then like the, 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 this is a result of the COVID legislation, but when have you known a, when have you known a Republican to give back a uh, social safety net once cut? So kids are growing up are still going to have that memory up until if they were going to school. They're going to have that memory of staying home from school. Well, no, I'm talking about pre like uh, 2019 and earlier. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But from now on, they're going to have a memory of staying Mm -hmm. home from school and either a going to a good school where you're actually expected to do that work Mm -hmm. and you have that sort of maintenance at home. So it's not going to be a day off. It's going to be a day in front of your computer where everything is harder and you have way more anxiety and you're not with your friends or what other kids are going to do from different homes. That's going to be a day where you don't go to school. You don't do fucking anything. And that just means it's time wiped off your school year. And those kids with climate change will regularly be going to school in terms of actual attendance time. Take your pick 52% of the time, 60% of the time, uh, maybe 80% if they just miss because of weather, but uh, they're probably going to miss a lot more because of shitty parents uh, not being forced to get on the bus, Um, but they're still going to have their attendance counted. So there is literally no financial incentive for the school to get that child to the building. So expect school whenever the fuck you feel like it, if you do. Um, And that's the future now, snow or not. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. At least in Missouri, I can assure you that's the way it's going to go down. Because sure. because Republicans. Bow, 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 bow. Yeah. Yeah. And this is how we make revolutionaries, Roy Blunt. This is how you yeah. did this. I don't know. Hearing John Ashcroft sing really radicalized me uh, towards. Beautiful. Moment. That's the day I woke up and chose violence. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's no days. I'm sorry. So sad. Why do people call me a pessimist Marxist? I don't understand where that comes from. I think no. I, I really you don't you have no idea. I got nothing. I no got clue. Nothing. I'm a I'm a babe. In what, the- what do you think that portmanteau is? What is that? Pessimism and Marxism? Oh man, peso, mm-hmm. peso, mm-hmm. maybe fish. Um, kind of like pesca. Do you think well, you've been a little money. pessimistic? It means money in Spanish. Oh okay, so, peso. You really Marx. I'm making marks of the pesos. So it's like a really good, like he getting paid mm-hmm. uh, nickname. You really, like, you, you, yeah, that's your best, that's your best interpretation yeah, of that. Yeah. Caleb, you mean Mr. Pesos? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what they're saying. You really, you really think that? Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, started Amazon, Mr. Pesos. Listeners, uh, <laughs> let us know. What do you what do you think peso Marxism means? Is Caleb uh, mm-hmm. uh, maybe need a little help with his analysis there? Uh, we'll no, find no, out. Talking about? Uh, couldn't possibly <laughs> be true. 
Yeah. The man, the man's a writer. He gets oh. a language. Thank yeah. you. Master of English. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. They gave me the degree. Mm-hmm. I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. Uh. <laughs> um, hey, that's the end of this episode. Uh, what started with a bang ends with no snow days. So uh, we hope you're not as sad as we are about the future of this country. Uh, hey, thanks for listening. And if you're not already checking us out, don't forget that there's a hell of a lot more content on Patreon where you can sign up to listen to a bunch of additional Mix 6 episodes. And you can get access to our Mixed 6 Discord where you can talk with other listeners help plan the episode and roast us for all of the things we say in an incredibly kind and caring community made for making fun of us. <laughs> Don't forget to check us out on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. If you forget any of that, use the internet, www.themix6.com. And if you're listening to this into a podcast streaming application, don't forget to rate and review us so other people can find the Mix 6 podcast. And with that, <clears throat> I am Spencer. Mm-hmm. Piss on Rush Limbaugh's grave. <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>